0: Have a disproportionately high amount of nitrate leaving during the closed period. The closed period of 16 weeks is about a quarter of the year. And if we measure the total amount of nitrogen, how many kilograms of nitrogen leave the catchment, usually half of it leaves during the closed period.
1: Hello, I'm Stuart Childs, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. As part of the Agricultural Catchments Programme Week 2023 and in advance of an open day taking place in the Timaleague catchment on Friday May 12th, I spoke with Eddie Borgesk, Agricultural Catchments Programme Specialist, to give some insight to the role of the Catchments Programme and to discuss sources of nitrogen available for loss and the things the farmers can do to minimise the risk of loss on their farms. I started by asking Eddie to outline the origins and job of the Agricultural Catchments Programme.
0: The Agricultural Catchment Program was set up in 2008. Uh, We're funded by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. And we're actually written into the derogation decision of the Nitrates Action Program. Um, Our main purpose is to evaluate the measures in the Nitrates Action Program and the derogation to see are they having an impact on water quality or should there be changes made? And we also look into the cost uh, and social ramifications of those measures because sometimes people might be asked to do uh, things that, that are disproportionately expensive or inconvenient to do for the gains that would be achieved if they were done.
1: The I suppose the key problem from a catchment's point of view, it is the nitrate, isn't it? Um, so, like, can you explain the nitrate situation, I suppose, for people that are tuning in? Um, first, I suppose... To explain the situation in terms of it's inevitable that there will be loss we'll, we'll go through that piece first
0: that Nitrate is never straightforward it's never simple and nitrate, nitrogen and nitrate um, or nitrogen in general it's not stable we talk about the nitrogen cycle and I remember when I was in school and in college I, I'm not very good at learning off <laughs> everything I had to try and I learn all the different processes in the nitrogen cycle but like the air we breathe is 78% nitrogen It's not causing any bit of bother to anyone. It's stable, and I suppose the term, the the scientific term, they say is environmentally benign. Organic matter in our soil contains nitrogen. I'd say a lot of people don't appreciate how much nitrogen is contained in a hectare of uh, grassland. Uh, Well-established, long-term grassland has high organic matter levels in it, that organic matter is a very, again, a very stable source of nitrogen, and it could contain fifteen to eighteen thousand kilograms of nitrogen in one hectare. Right. Uh, fifteen to eighteen tons of nitrogen bound up in organic matter in a hectare. Um, that's stable and is not going to be lost. It doesn't dissolve in water. But the nitrogen cycle is largely dependent on microbial activity. So we're talking about bugs in the soil, bugs on clover attached to the roots. Um, Different types of bugs do different things. Some will take nitrogen out of that organic matter and convert it into a form that's easily leached. Other bacteria will take nitrogen out of water that's in the soil and release it into the atmosphere and prevent it from being leached um so it's complex and the soil type has a large influence on the moisture content at any given time of the year or in any particular location if you have a high clay content soil you're much more likely to have water running across the surface and you will have ditches at the sides of fields and you'll have more water courses across the landscape where you have heavier clay type of soils. If you have a free draining soil type, I, I live near Tullow, in County Carlow, There's a lot of free draining soils around me. You go up to a thai, go down to Pikenny, you see plenty of large fields without any watercourse around them. And um, I, I took note um, I'm going to quote one of the asset advisors, Fiona Dulan, who, who works in the in County Kildare. And, and she was talking about nitrate recently, and, and she made the point, that struck a nerve, I think, with a lot of people. Nitrate is often a bigger issue, almost always a bigger issue in the countryside where you don't have water courses. You don't have streams running around the edge of a field. You have water percolating down through the soil and nitrate in the soil dissolves very easily in that water. I say it dissolves like sugar in hot tea. Um, And uh, if that water moves down below the root zone, below where roots can capture that nitrate if you have a growing crop, it may then be available for loss into the water, groundwater in in the water table. So really, where nitrate loss to water is a problem you need two things you need surplus nitrate in the soil that's not uh, necessary for crop growth so nitrogen surplus to crop growth and you need water moving downwards through the soil to carry that nitrate below uh, the root zone where where it hasn't been captured
1: okay so the so that's basically when when so is the the, from what you're saying there the majority of your nitrate loss is going to occur during the the rainy season we will call it so when it's likely to be wetter and there's a term that's been floating around there that david wall has has used a number of times is this recharge period um will you just explain that and how that's very significant, I suppose, in terms of what you're talking about the nitrogen loss uh, that you're you're mentioning there. Then
0: in Ireland, we can have a very wet summer, but uh, and we have periods in the winter when it's dry. And a lot of people are frustrated to say we have a dry period during the months of December and January, and we weren't allowed to spread any fertilizer or slurry. And as soon as the fifteenth of January came, the, the weather got wet, and we and yes, we could go out and spread our slurry, and they're kind of frustrated with that. However, uh, I I can understand the thinking with that. But I I mentioned there for nitrogen uh, uh, or nitrate, um, it is necessary for crop growth. And if crop growth is taking place, it'll take nitrate out of soil water, out of soil solution. And we don't have much crop growth taking place in December early January, um, and maybe even later, Um, crop growth will slow down from the middle, depending on what part of the country you're in, middle of October, November, December, days are short, you don't have daylight, and you don't have have crop growth, so you don't have any uptake of nitrate uh, in the water. But in addition to that, we don't have evapotranspiration taking place, so we don't have water drying out of the soil. that is largely dependent on sunshine, temperature, and wind. When the days are longer, when you have more sunshine taking place, you have more drying taking place, and evapotranspiration rates uh, at this time of the year could be four millimeters per day. If there was water in the soil, you could have, it. and and you had plenty of crop growth, the growing plant will suck that water out of the soil, release it uh, as vapor into the atmosphere, and it could suck four millimeters of water out of the soil. So generally speaking, from the months of April until end of September, well, August, September, um, the rates of evapotranspiration exceed the amount of rainfall and soils dry out and the water table in the soil will get lower. I I don't know, is this a national thing? But around me locally here, people, if they were drilling wells or a water supply that say September is a very good month to do that because the water table is at its lowest at that time. And that's as, as a result of the evapotranspiration that has taken place. It doesn't vary from month to month or from one year to the next, like total rainfall amounts will. The recharge period that you mentioned occurs when the evapotranspiration rates drop off in September and October and the soils begin to get moist again, they begin to wet up. Now if that happens gradually and soil temperatures are warm and you still have growth, nitrate that's in that soil will be taken up by the growing plants and won't get leached. But say it doesn't happen until late in the year, say you have a very dry September or in October and all of a sudden it gets very cold and you have very heavy rainfall. Um, then that rainfall will flush through the soil that has dried out. You don't have much growth taking place. And nitrate that's in the soil at that time is likely to get leached down through the soil below the root zone and into groundwater. And that's what happened in 2018. Um, In the catchments program, we take a sample of water every 10 minutes In six catchments across the country, they're small, they're only about a 1,000 hectares each, and they're representative of different soil types and different farming systems. But in all of them, the nitrate concentrations in the autumn of 2018 reached levels that we had never seen before. And the total amount of nitrogen leaving the catchment in 2019, the year after the drought, was also very high as a result of that dry summer in 2018.
1: And the contributory factor there, so Eddie, was actually, while we thought it was a good thing at the time, the extension to the slurry spreading and the fertiliser spreading in particular, I suppose, gave us a huge amount, it was a a nice amount of nitrogen, I suppose, put out at exactly the wrong time of the year in reality, uh, combined then with quite heavy rain, or or heavier rain, I suppose, um, which, I suppose, going back to your tea analogy there, we put the sugar into the tea, but there was a hole in the bottom of the cup which was falling, going straight to the floor, basically.
0: That that analogy captures it quite well, so it does. I, 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 and that is what happened. Um, like, There's no doubt that the dry summer and the climate had an impact on, on nitrate loss, but farm practice needs to be aware of the conditions. Um, people, and, and farmers argue for this, that, and they're correct. They say that we need to be aware of the conditions. And we shouldn't be allowed to spread, sorry, when it's heavy rainfall is forecast. But equally, we shouldn't be spreading chemical nitrogen to solve a drought. If grass growth isn't happening because of water shortage, nitrogen isn't going to fix it. Now it's easy for me to say that. There was a fodder shortage then. And I think in hindsight, people might people that weren't directly affected might easily forget how significant the problems were and how how like we were importing hay from France. It, 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 hard to believe at this stage and people were desperate to try and get anything to to improve the situation and it's understandable that people put out nitrogen in the hope that rain would come soon afterwards and we would have had a flush of growth we did get a burst of growth but but not enough to capture all the nitrogen that was in the soil Uh, some of it was applied as chemical fertilizer but a lot of it was nitrogen that had mineralized from that organic matter during the year when soils had aerated and dried out um um it was also available to be leached and the heavy rainfalls came
1: yeah and i suppose what well, i suppose it, it's important to point out too eddie like i mean i think we're both very conscious that we don't want to be overly negative here we're just trying to point out the realities of the scenario too but like we have learnt a huge amount from that drought in 2018 as an as an advisory body i would say and i suppose even like from from the people working on the catchments program with you, we would have learnt a lot from that incident, I suppose. And we saw last year that when, okay, different different year, different scenario, but kind of similar but different, that farmers actually didn't spread a huge amount of nitrogen in September when the weather was after changing in their favor because they were conscious that there was this background nitrogen that was going to suddenly become available. And it did actually carry... A lot of farms right out, and definitely to the start of November when the weather got really bad in a lot of parts of the country and things stock went in very quick as a result of it. But there was actually r- relatively good levels of grass grown off of very little chemical nitrogen input subsequently. So, to be fair, we probably have learned a huge amount. And again, so the price of fertilizer has. Um, has had an impact as well and and that's still staying high and is obviously the subject of much debate at the moment when how it's so high relative to some other um parts of the of the of Europe and so forth but people are becoming more aware of when to use the nitrogen and when they sh- when they should and shouldn't so like wh- when so so are we, is it all just around the winter or are there stages at any stage of the year where we could do this wrong, basically? So, what what sh- what do farmers need to know to make sure that they minimise the losses of nitrogen that are going to come from their patch of ground?
0: Yeah, um, really, it, I, I, it it's not about the total load of nitrogen that goes onto a farm in any given year. It's about avoiding surplus nitrogen in the soil at a time when there is, uh, sorry, surface nitrogen in the soil. When I say surface, I mean surface to crop requirements at that particular time, Um, at at a time when there's water moving down through the soil. Now, there will always be nitrate moving down through the soil. And what we're talking about is trying to minimise it, not, not eliminate it. It's, a, it. it's It won't be possible to eliminate it. If you're an organic farmer, if you had forestry land, or you had land that was just lying idle, you will have nitrate loss coming from that soil. Right? But efficient use of nitrogen is about avoiding having surplus nitrogen surplus to crop requirements at a time when those soils are wet. Now, we can have wet periods. 2012 was a classic example, and the catchment program did record significant nitrogen losses throughout the summer of 2012. One year and the next, we will, we, we will have occasions like that. But in general, nitrate concentrations in the rivers, leave, in, our, in our catchments and, and nationally, are higher at times of the year when the water table is higher, when field ditches are carrying water, when land drainage pipes are carrying water. So, we're talking about a period from, say, the end of September, um, when the water table begins to, re- to rise and the field drains start to flow again, we see the nitrate concentrations beginning to pick up. Um, and they usually are at their highest sometime in December, January, February. And at this time of the year, they're beginning to drop back again, and they will uh, drop back to the lowest amount, lowest concentration, usually in the end of August, first half of September. In the Timalee catchment, for example, the nitrate concentrations, um, average nitrate concentrations for the last four years have dropped to their lowest level since we started recording in 2022. When the average annual nitrate concentration in Timalee was just under five milligrams of nitrate per liter, from the highest level which occurred in 2019 when it was over seven. So that's a good news story to see it dropping year on year. The, the disappointment of that is the target level we're looking for for ecological status under the Water Framework Directive is a figure of 2.6. So the timidly catchment is still well above that. But in 2022, at the end of August, our nitrate concentration levels dropped back to a figure of around one milligram of nitrate per litre. Um, and in the, the peak in the winter of 2021, 2022, they, they reached the peak of around seven. Just, just under seven. So there are times of the year when nitrate concentrations are higher and they usually happen when river, the, the rivers are higher, when the, there's more water leaving them. So we have a disproportionately high amount of nitrate leaving during the closed period. The, the closed period of 16 weeks is about a quarter of the year. And if we measure the total amount of nitrogen, how many kilograms of nitrogen leave the catchment, usually half of it leaves during the closed period. And in Timolid on a per hectare basis, that equates to somewhere between 35 and 40 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare per year. So we're saying during during the close period, maybe 18 to 20 kilograms leave. And if, if we can avoid having surplus nitrogen in the back end, so so try and not apply sources of nitrogen from the end of August and again equally try and not apply uh, sources of nitrogen very early in the year that will minimise those losses
1: So what you're saying there so I like is again you've given further um, reinforcement to the theory of why why there is a closed period so despite the dry weather etc as you've outlined in relation to the evapotranspiration being non-existent at that stage of the year um, and the fact that even though the weather might be dry at the time of application, there's no growth there to actually utilize it. So then when we inevitably get to the back to the wet spell again, that the, the nitrate has been leached from that system then. Um the you're also saying that we need to basically stop applying nitrogen and that's why the slurry now has come back to the first of October and I suppose obviously there's going to be some amount of it there it's cows it produce slurry every day of the year unfortunately um we've no control over that but what you're talking about is minimizing the volume of it that's going to be there at that stage of the year so to like in reality we're looking at soiled water only being uh, allowed to be applied from the 1st of october now to the 1st of december at the end of this year um and so all slurry needs to be spread before the 1st of october and from what you're saying there farmers really need to be planning to use that slurry Obviously, David again talks all the time about making sure to send the slurry to where it's needed. So silage ground is priority all the time. Um, but then again, as I said, it's being produced all the time. So cows come into collecting yards; they're producing slurry there. That slurry needs to be used on a consistent basis throughout the year, really, to make sure that there isn't a huge volume of that to be spread. Come the end of August, or, sorry, come the end of September now, in in relation to the the deadline and that there is a surge of slurry going out in potentially, we don't know the the way the weather is going to be that last week of September. So we need to have it, gone. obviously, again, you mentioned 2012, and that would have been a year where there was major problems trying to travel with slurry during the summer. But in the normal course of events, we need to be trying to make use of those resources. And the spin-off off of them is that where we are using them and the low emissions, um, is giving people the opportunity to do, do do this we can also reduce our chemical applications then as a result of that so it, are, are those actions are like oh, while well, they're new enough i suppose in in some extent to some extent are they beginning to contribute to the 4.95 figure that you saw this year in into league like is the are, are the actions beginning to start to come true? and have we given them enough time to actually do what they need to do yes uh, the, the
0: actions are coming through uh, now i uh, to, i cannot say how much uh, they're coming through but there's no doubt i think the improvement in water quality that we're seeing in and league is as a result of the um, increased restrictions that have been put on agriculture as, as a result of the nitrates action program and derogation in particular Um i, I mentioned we have six attachments. Um, there's Lake, which we've mentioned. There's two in Wexford, Castle Dockwell, and Ballycanoe, just in Lear and County Loud, um, Cardiff and Monaghan, and Craigduff near Ballinrobe in Mayo. But of all of them, the highest proportion of derogation farming has taken place in the catchment in Lake. Uh, and I think it's not surprising that the Lake catchment has shown the highest rate of improvement in water quality because there's a greater number of farmers that have been impacted by the changes in the regulation.
1: But the other thing I suppose is to to credit the farmers too because they have, whether okay, it's been forced upon them but they have embraced those regulations Like and I like I will use the figure of the low emissions which is obviously a, a positive from the uh, gaseous emissions uh, p- point of view as well. Like 65% of all slurry was spread last year, I think it is, uh, by low emissions and obviously that's been driven predominantly by derogation farmers and now it's beginning to drop below the 170 as well. But farmers are... Taken on these technologies and they are taking on the advice and, and it, it is beginning to pay dividends Like, but I suppose the fear is is the time going to be, are they going to be given enough time to, to take full to, to fully be seen like
0: Yeah yeah, I, 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 and I think that is a concern um, the, the decision the, the, the European implementing decision for the derogation, said that there has to be a midterm review and it's based on the water quality trend between 2021 and 2022. And, and, um, and also over a three-year period, 2019, 20, and 21. I think I might, I might, I might be out by one year, not 2020, 21 and 22. Um, but there's regulations coming in this year. We have banding, we have more farmers you mentioned using low emission story spreading. We have a fertilizer register, we have a 10% cut in chemical nitrogen. We may have another 5% cut in chemical nitrogen next year. Um, None of those measures have been picked up in any monitoring of water quality at this stage. Uh, We may be beginning to see it in the catchments program because we're monitoring every 10 minutes, but we haven't analyzed the data this year from that. So it it takes time. The um, reporting on water quality from the catchments unit that feeds into the water quality in Ireland report that goes to Brussels um, averages water quality over a three-year period. So it, it takes time for those actions, first of all, to be implemented. It takes time for water to percolate through the soil and get into the stream. So, some, some of the water that we monitor fell as rainfall last week, but some of it fell out of the sky 10 years ago and is reflective of the farming practice that took place then. So there is a lag uh, in in the chemistry in the water to reflect farm practice. And that's dependent on the geology and soil type that you're in. In some places, it might be a year. In other places, it could be five years. And that's an average. Um, uh, And then there is a lag in reporting because the water quality samples, um, it takes time to go out and take samples and compile them. And put them together nationally. So, the water quality results that we know now are probably more reflective of what happened four and five years ago than what happened in 2022. And there's more regulations that have come in now in 2023. So, I, I, I think it's um, a very valid point that you make that there is concern that we don't. And haven't given enough time to see the improvements taking place. And that's why I think it's encouraging to see this trend in Timeleag that has happened over the last four years. Having said that, the ACP were loud and clear saying that the high nitrate levels in 2018 and 19 were as a result of the dry summer. And we can't sit back now and say that the improvement in water quality is purely as a result of farm practice. We have had a change in weather since then. We haven't had the exact same weather conditions. It's a combination. I've always said that nitrate loss is complex um, and it's a combination of farm practice, soil type
1: and weather. Well, fully accept what you're saying in terms of the 2018. We can't say that everything from 2018, the drop from 2018 to 2022 is farm practice, but there is quite a significant element of farm practice in there at the same time.
0: Oh, there's no doubt about that. Because there has been huge investment. Farmers have invested in low-emission storage spreading. Farmers are investing in storage storage um, and, 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 farm, and so on. Like a, 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 a grass budgeting training, environmental training for farmers and irrigation. Um, the uh, grass predictive growth model that's coming out of Moorcar to, to tailor fertilizer advice to it. And then there, there's more inspections taking place. irrigation farmers have 10% inspections now as opposed to 5%. The Department of Housing are going to start doing inspections. There's more focus. There's an asset program has come out with advice tailored, given specific advice for farmers according to their soil type and farming conditions. And, and that has been hugely supported by the dairy industry and by Jagisk. They're all having an impact. There's a tax incentive scheme for farm buildings now where, where buildings can be depreciated quicker they're all having results and will continue to have benefits and results taking place.
1: So, so I, do, I suppose, just to sum it up, so, um, and just, I suppose, before we do go down that route, um, it's important to point out to people that there's an, actually an open day as part of Agricultural Catchments Week taking place in Timaleague, uh on Friday, uh, the 12th of May, and uh, that's starting at 11am. If people want to go down and see what, I suppose, see in reality what you've just been talking about there, But I suppose the key, for for you, what are the three key elements from a farmer's perspective to continue to do over the next, uh, what do we say, to continue to do, full stop, I suppose we'd better leave it at that. uh, To continue the downward trend that you've shown there from the Timber League for catchment, for their own catchment, wherever it may be in the country.
0: Well, well, there's no silver bullet, there's no single silver thing that's going to uh, instantly um, solve nitrate loss issues. And it's something we're going to continuously have to work with. And I I don't have anything new or fancy to it. Really, it's all about good nutrient management. I think there's still significant scope for improved management of organic manures. Organic manures contain nitrogen, phosphorus and potash. Um, but good management of them is talking about putting them on at the right time. And the timing is key for nitrate loss. So they should be put on at a time that will match crop growth. So we don't have surplus nitrate above what a crop uh, will need for growing. They should be put on in the right place, there and where we are talking about matching the potash and phosphorus um, requirements in the soil and soil. The results, usually silage ground because slurry, cattle and implica is a good source of potash um, and silage ground usually is low in potash with, with the crops being removed. Uh, they should be put on with the right application method using low emission slurry techniques will in, improve the nitrogen um, uh, um, efficiency from the slurry that has been applied um, and at the correct rate.
1: To sum it up, is it just be, better management of all nutrients the farmers have um, is, is the solution for them in reality, is it? it
0: yes. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I feel like I'm giving you a very boring answer to that, Stuart, but 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 it does work um, and it will minimise losses. Um, uh, and will minimise losses without a cutting stocking rate provided they are done at the right time
1: so we'll leave it at that eddie thanks for giving us a rundown on on the catchments program as i said i don't think people are very maybe it's has there's a lot of work going on in the background there that's feeding into things that actually do impact on people's farming lives but they may not be aware of it so thanks for the the insight into the program and obviously thanks very much for the advice in relation to what farmers should do and thanks very much eddie
0: thanks very much jordan perhaps we'll see you or some of your listeners intimately on friday
1: the 12th. That's all for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Eddie Burgess for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify and for more information go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Stuart Childs and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.